Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Mental Health Marriage, Falling in Love Again. This is a podcast for the spouses and partners of those who are mentally ill. I'm your host and for the sake of my husband's anonymity, you can call me M. As the spouse of a man with bipolar 2, I will share my story, my struggles, and my insights with you and also share conversations with people like you whose stories need to be heard. I hope to build a community where we can all laugh and cry together at the paradox and irony that mental illness can be and to help each other keep it together and thrive despite the major setbacks. I believe that we create our futures and that we can make better lives for ourselves and our families. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. I have been meaning to get an episode out for weeks, but it just was not flowing to me and it wasn't happening, so I decided not to force it, and today I think I think it's time. So with that being said, I was releasing a weekly podcast last year, and it was coming out every week. I don't think that that pattern is sustainable for me anymore, so if you're a listener and you're enjoying what you're hearing, I still plan on continuing, but I think once a month is what to look for at this from this point forward, which is nice because then I can put more thought and planning into each episode and hopefully you'll still find value out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the new year. I was really just trying to pin down what kind of feelings of New Year's resolution I was having and it slowly came to me that I just really need to be more present this year. And I was really caught up in the hustle last year, which I think was good. I think that's where I needed to be last year. But this year, I just want to slow down and really be there for my kids and just enjoy life. We're at a really good place right now, which I will tell you about. This lithium treatment for my husband is really working. Back in October last year, he started showing signs of improvement. He started sleeping again, and the improvements have just continued. And he's to the point now where he sleeps all night. He feels at least normal every day. He may not feel like ecstatic, but a couple of big signs are that he's he's off his keto diet and he's eating regular foods. Um, we're joking because he's like, you got to understand, like, I don't feel amazing every day, but just the fact that I can get up and make myself a peanut butter sandwich that I'm able to eat at work is just the best. Like, the fact that a stupid peanut butter sandwich doesn't completely throw him into a bipolar spin is just reason for joy and celebration. And we're like, yeah, we are peanut butter and jelly level happy right now, <laughs> which I think is great. Stability is so great. It's so much better than even if you had those fleeting moments of manic happiness, stability is amazing. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes when things are this good for this long, it feels like everything bad that happened in the past just kind of fades away, and it's this beautiful new reality, and I just want to enjoy it. And I think by enjoying it and not living from a place of fear... I think that's helpful for my husband's mental health. I'm not in charge of his mental health, but it's it's healthy just to be in the present moment and to be just together and happy. And if he has a bad day, that doesn't need to throw anyone into a spiral. It's just we enjoy what is. So I'm really grateful to all of his doctors and for the medications, and I am extremely grateful that my husband was persistent and that he 
stuck it out and followed it through. I mean, it's been just years of battle and trying one thing after the other and things work and things don't work and they work for a while and then they stop working. I mean, of course, it's frustrating for me, but really for him, I just, I'm the closest person to him and I still can't fully comprehend the amount of suffering that he's had. So just to see him being normal, another good sign is that he started exercising again, and this is huge to me. He was a cross-country runner in high school, so he has, I mean, he knows what it's like to be really in shape. When we first met, he was lifting weights pretty heavily, and so he hasn't done any exercise for at least three years, and he's starting to do push-ups and just really light right now, just a little bit of lifting at home, but... I'm just ecstatic that his body and his mind can handle a little bit of of stress because it definitely could not six months ago. So I just want to drive the point home that there is hope, guys. Things can get better, and the person that you used to come used to know all good things. I think it's an appropriate time to talk about the concept of being in love when things were really bad one of the things that made me miserable was me telling myself that I wasn't sure if I even loved my husband anymore or even the thought like maybe I never loved him at all and I why am I even in this marriage what even is love and some things that I would think were thoughts like somebody with a mental illness is incapable of really loving me that that's just a mental block he he can't even feel those feelings of love so therefore I must be unloved. And another thing that I've mentioned in previous episodes is we are not able to have a normal sex life. Normal in quotes. (laughs) So therefore, I must feel bad about that because I'm supposed to have a sex life. And since I don't, something must be wrong. So another thing that I would think was things will continue to get worse until this relationship is no longer sustainable. So these are all thought loops that I created for myself based upon the underlying principle of do I even love this person and is all the pain and suffering I'm going through with him right now even worth it? And many times the answer in my head was probably not. Maybe I should get the heck out of here. But thankfully, there must have been some amount of sanity in me to be able to still see his good qualities and to know that I shouldn't do anything drastic until we see this through. And so in that sense, doing research and going to couples counseling, like all those things were super helpful for me. But I think I've reached a whole new level of understanding what love is and how to have those feelings of love. And it has nothing to do with couples therapy and reading books about relationships because all those kinds of things talk about how to resolve conflicts and you know all the typical we always fight about this so if or he doesn't take out the garbage and that makes me so mad so it's just people bringing up these things that continually make them mad this whole idea I'm about to present to you is definitely not an original idea of mine, so don't think I'm a genius. I got this originally from, if you've ever listened to the, um, the Life Coach School, Brooke Castillo. She is a life coach, and she trains other life coaches, and her work helping couples and relationships, the first time I heard her talk about it, 
it did it didn't sink in because it was like wait a minute what <laughs> it was so different than anything that I'd ever really heard or processed and then I listened to another podcast a woman named Jody Moore and she has a podcast called Better Than Happy and I definitely recommend both of those but she presents the same idea and I think the way that Jody presents it is it makes a lot of sense so her premise is everybody has a manual and this is a proverbial manual, of course, of expectations that we have about our partner. And this comes from a lifetime of conditioning by society and by watching our parents' relationships and just all of it. And the manual is basically all of our expectations of what a relationship should be and what should I receive from this other person in order to feel love for them and to be happy. So I think for me, looking at it now, my manual contained things like we should have sex regularly and he should always want me. (laughs) And another thing was he should compliment me all the time because if he really was in love with me, he would just naturally do that. Um, He should be charming around my friends (laughs) so they would know how great he was. And everyone else should be able to see how in love we are. So that's what people in love look like. And just, I could make a very long list. So I think it would be wise if you would just analyze what do you expect the other person to do in order for you to maintain those feelings of love for them. Now, this is problematic because relationship 101, you can't control other people. You may try, and they may try. So, for example, I could have an argument with my husband where I say, I want you to compliment me more. And he'll say, well, okay. And maybe for a week, he'll throw me some extra compliments, and I'll be like, good dog. (laughs) No, I just, thank you for those compliments, but he's probably going to revert back to his natural state, which is compliments are a little more rare. Which doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't think I'm great, which we'll get get back to, to that in a minute. But you can't control other people. And so trying to make them conform to your preconceived notion of what you want a relationship to be It's just going to blow up in your face most of the time. And this is why so many marriages end up either in divorce or just in a state of constant misery or resentment or people going off and having extramarital affairs because they're just seeking those things that they think are going to really fulfill them and make them happy. So we got to get rid of the manual. We got to throw it all out. And we're able to do that when we realize that love is a feeling, of course, and but where do our feelings really come from? And this is the key. The feelings that we have come from the thoughts that we think. So is it possible for me to be in love with somebody who, let's say, for example, doesn't know that I exist? Technically, yes. <laughs> I can think thoughts of, oh, this celebrity is so handsome and wonderful and the way that they treat other people looks really appealing to me. Therefore, I have these strong feelings of desire towards them. This person does not even know I exist. So how can I be, quote, in love with them? 
but we view relationships with real people in our lives differently, but the concept is the same. I don't want to ramble too long on this idea, but the thing that really drove it home for me was how do people treat their pets? Well, they love the crap out of them, and they really don't have very many expectations. Your, I don't, I'm actually not a pet owner, so I feel like a hypocrite talking about this, but I feel like I get it. I get why people have pets. Don't hate me now that you know that I don't have a dog, if you're a dog person. But people want their pets to be there so that they can love on them. They want that dog there to snuggle and hug and, oh, you're so cute, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And also the fact that it helps that the dog is happy to see them. But it's this idea of unconditional love. You don't expect your dog to compliment you. (laughs) You don't expect your dog to really do, I mean, hopefully they're trained and everything, to do a few simple basic things. So if we could just narrow down our expectations of our partner, like for me, it's it's pretty narrow. He he treats me with respect. He treats my children with respect and he works on himself. And, and you know, finances get complicated too and I know that people with mental illness sometimes the job situation causes so much stress and I get that. Like we've been through the unemployment and uh, it's it's very stressful. And it is realistic to think that that kind of thing could happen in the future again. But I wish at the time that I would have had these tools that I wouldn't have attached all these things to his persona. Instead of, I think at the time it was like, wow, he lost his job. He he is an unemployed person. When really, he is him at the core, and whatever's happening outwardly doesn't change that. I think it could make a lot of these stressful situations a little more peaceful. And if you don't hyper-react to them, you'd probably more quickly be able to come to a wise and thought-out decision about what to do next. So, I feel like this is a hard topic to really (laughs) remain focused on and really drive home what the point is. But let's just talk about this idea of unconditional love. Is it even possible? And what does it even mean? Um, I like the example of a baby, too. Like, why do we love an infant as a mother or as a father? We love them because they are. They do not do anything for us, really, when you think about it. Like, they're not giving us anything, but we love them because they exist and because they're ours. And that just, sorry, that like emotionally hit me. Like, I love you because you're mine. And I mean, that's, (laughs) you could argue about the truth of that statement too. Like, my husband and I are bound together by our family and by the commitments that we've made to each other. And we do, we belong to each other. But even then, like, that doesn't mean I can control him. And that doesn't mean I get to decide what he thinks or how he acts or any of it. But we are linked by love and by choice. So I don't know. I've just found, I have found so much release. I, I hardly ever feel angry lately. Now, of course, (laughs) I'm sure this will be tested in the future when things are not as good with the state of his health. So I'm not perfect at this, but 
I just am telling you that I feel so, I feel released. I, I feel like he doesn't need to do anything for me to make me happy. Now, I am very fortunate that he loves me and he wants to do things to make me happy and he tries. And some days it's such a pleasant surprise to have somebody do something loving towards you. But if he didn't, it doesn't ruin my day. I have all these other things in my life that are fulfilling. The way that I treat him brings me joy. I am grateful that I'm able to show up in a peaceful way and to help bring peace and love into his life. That's great that I'm able to give him that. And I'm proud that that's the kind of person that I can be. And I'm grateful as well that we can be forgiving of each other. Some of the the things that that we've been through that have been so difficult, we felt at the time like it was eroding our relationship, which, boy, yeah, I really felt that way. But now... I just have so much gratitude for those times because we are past it and all is forgiven. And it's like we were saying, we were washing dishes the other night and we were talking about when he was still in school and I don't even remember how it came up, but it was like, yeah, we're in a new marriage now. That was the old marriage and the new one is so much better and that, that whole thing is done. It's just done. And part of that comes from just the blessing of having some stability in life, but it also just comes from our own involvement and our own growth. And I think we're both just really grateful that we've moved past it. And so the little joys that we have now and the stability we have now just feel even more amazing. And that's why we can both be so stupidly happy over him being able to eat a peanut butter sandwich for lunch. Figure out what your manual is. You may have a 500 page manual of expectations and you wouldn't want somebody else to have a manual that large for you because nobody can live up to that. I mean, (laughs) sometimes I kid myself into thinking that I can, but no, I can't. Like I can only be me and I can only do what I do and do my best at it. And the things that I care about may not necessarily line up with the things that my husband cares about. Like, I highly value creativity, and sometimes I expect him to be impressed by me when I do something creative, and he doesn't care that much, and okay, that was in my manual, and I can just throw that out. Like, I don't need to be offended that we have different things that are higher on our list of life importance or whatever, but yeah. It's just so freeing. Like, you can be happy despite how they're doing. And if you happen to have these moments where you both line up, that is a beautiful thing. And it's an ebb and a flow. And it's like you can maybe be a little bit apart for a while, but then you come back together and it's great. But you trust in the flow of the relationship. So so as you analyze your own manual just keep in mind that some of some of these things are more problematic than others. So, like, I'm going to read off to you. I, I wrote down some of the things that I expected when I got married. I was 27 when I got married, and I felt like I was really old. And I had those preconceived notions of if I can just find a good man and get married, then everything will be better, which, of course, everyone thinks that. 
So I think I thought that by getting married, I would never be lonely again. So at least when you're single and you're lonely, you're like, well, yeah, that comes with the territory. I'm single. So when you start to feel lonely inside of a marriage, it's like, wait, what? (laughs) WTF, this is not supposed to happen. So I think it can make you even more angry and resentful. Another one is, I think I expected him to make me feel better about my body, which is so ridiculous. I just, you know, he could compliment me all day long. And if I don't come to a place of self-acceptance, then it doesn't matter what he says. It matters what I think inside. So if I have a thought that I can't get rid of, that my thighs are too big, that's a problem. And it's going to create negative feelings. So instead of saying, hey, will you tell me that my thighs aren't too big? <laughs> you got to say, I I accept my body the way it is and I'm grateful that it works. And it's a joy to be able to exercise and to eat nutritious food, to take care of it. And it's amazing even to be alive. That is a thought that feels so much better than my thighs are too big. So another one is just bring home the bacon. <laughs> And this is one that I think is part of a more serious social contract. And so that's, yeah, that's one you got to discuss. But maybe the way that you expect them to bring home the bacon isn't realistic to what they're capable of doing. And so you might need to rewrite what that social contract is going to look like for you guys in your marriage. I, I think I still have the acceptance that if things were to be really bad long term, I would go back to work and let him be with the kids because his health and our family is more important than you know him being the sole provider so um i think i expected him to help me with the house which he does sometimes and sometimes he doesn't and it's to the point now where i don't know it it just doesn't really matter to me i expected him to be the father of my children which that one lined up so great I wanted him to be my biggest cheerleader, which I talked about that a little. I wanted him to be interested in everything I'm interested in because that's what soulmates do. If you're not interested, then we must not be meant for each other. And I probably chose the wrong person. Can you see how distorted that sounds? Like nobody is interested in all of the things that you're interested in. And if you're still single and out there looking for the one person who's interested in everything you're interested in, that's probably why you're still single, because that doesn't exist. (laughs) It's lovely to be interested in different things. It adds variety to your life, and it introduces you to people and situations that you maybe never would have encountered otherwise. That is just a fallacy. I'm glad I've gotten rid of that one. I already talked about being there to show off to my friends and family. (laughs) people who know me my husband does not try to impress anyone which is funny because I think that's one of the things I love the most about him because he doesn't give a crap what people think and I think that's very healthy and I try to emulate that quality but yeah he's he says inappropriate things around people sometimes and I'm always so worried about what people think that I'm like I need to put on a monitor for you to block your words from coming out of your mouth but Yep, that's just him, and that's good. So I think another thing I expected was that we carry on daily deep and interesting conversations, which is funny because there was a time when we were doing this, and I think after a while he's like, can we not do this every day? Like, this is exhausting to me. (laughs) 
and I didn't know he felt that way. I was glad that he finally told me. Not that we don't ever have deep and interesting conversations, but he just doesn't have it in him to do that every day. So if I throw that expectation out and we can talk about whatever, and some days we may not even have the energy to do much talking at all, and that's okay too. When it happens, wonderful. And I think if it's more of a natural thing and I'm not like, hey, what's an interesting topic we could discuss? It's just things are just so much more in flow. So I will just wrap it up here. Start treating your spouse like you would a beloved pet. If they are sick mentally or physically, we try our best to help. And if nothing is working, that doesn't change our love for them. We have more empathy and understanding because we give them the benefit of the doubt. When they walk in the door in the evening, instead of watching for the moment when they will disappoint you by not living up to whatever expectations you have, you're thrilled just to have them physically there. There are no expectations. Love is a feeling, and our thoughts dictate our feelings. So instead of, oh my, look at that dead look on his face, his depression must be so bad today. This is going to be a miserable evening. You instead tell yourself something that will create a loving thought. Wow, he looks so tired. I am so lucky that he goes to work for our family even when he feels terrible. He must love me so much. That just feels so much better. And I can approach him full of love, appreciation, and empathy. I've put this to the test in my relationship. And even though he spent a lot of 2018 in a place of instability, instability, I was able to maintain and restore feelings of love for him and feel really stable despite his illness. Not perfect, but infinitely better than how I felt in the past. And I can just tell that it's getting better and better. So this whole thought has been so helpful for me and I hope that I was able to explain it in a way that you could even partially understand. Go listen to the Life Coach School and listen to Jody Moore if and you can get better details on this whole idea. But it really has been a total game changer for me. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And hopefully we can still come out with with things that are helpful over the course of the year, even though we won't have as many episodes. So send me emails at the at mentalhealthmarriage at gmail.com. There's no the, it's just mentalhealthmarriage at gmail.com. And we can see about getting you on the show for an interview or even just answering a couple questions that I could read on the show and any audience interaction just makes it a lot more interesting thanks to people who have been willing to be interviewed in the past. I really enjoyed doing that. Have a great day.